Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. with April Mahoney brains this is the place you've landed the spot where the conversation is pointed the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull you're right here today we are in Queensland Australia with the beautiful Dr. Amanda Nixon she is a doctor of social work in Queensland and a devout Christian we're going to talk about her groundbreaking book the resilient leader. She's also got another book, Living by Faith. Um, I want to ask her, what is a resilient leader? What are the roles? What are the responsibilities? How does she achieve it? What is she pouring into other individuals and how we might be able to rise to the occasion? So let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Dr. Amanda? Very good. Thank you, April. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, I'm excited to have you. Please tell my brains how you show up in the world. Um, I'm not sure what to say to that question. I'm, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've lived in Queensland quite a long time and um, I'm very passionate as a social worker about social justice and making a difference in the world for good. And I'm also passionate about my faith. Um, a passionate Christian who wants to also make a difference in the world showing that God is real and there's a lot we can do to help people have you always have you always been a Christian or did you you know as a child or did you grow into that and find your faith at a later age I was brought up um, being taken to Sunday school and I came to a personal relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Saviour when I was about 15, 16, in my teenage years, when I was looking looking for certainty and I found I could trust God, whereas I found often people would let you down. They would so let I you came, down. No, because so I came to have that by, personal Yeah, we do yeah. live by faith and not by sight. But for yes. you to have found that in your teenage years, it's pretty remarkable. In your teenage years, a lot of times uh, young people are rebellious, not all, but they're rebellious against, you know, anything that your parents say, you're the complete polar opposite. <laughs> they say, That's go true. left, Some you people. go right. And then there's a lot of peer pressure uh, influx. Did you find that there were other young people that were drawn to Christ? Um, when you were seeking him as well? Did you have a strong network of friends and support at that age? Um, I had a very supportive youth leader. I went to a youth group that was run by the church and I was really inspired by their lives and I could see they had a peace and a joy and a hope and I thought, wow, I want what they've got. What is it? And it was that personal relationship with Christ. Um, so I had a small group of friends that shared that faith, but then it was challenged when I went to university. Um, 
but I found it actually my faith grew stronger I studied some comparative religions and the more I studied the more I was convinced that Christianity was the one true faith um, with more evidence historical documents etc that um, assured me that if I was going to base my life on something I wanted to be sure it was true and that just reassured me right 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 and, you know, the word truth is subjective because it's all about perspective. Everybody doesn't follow the same truth. Um, and so it can be combative. So as you evolved and you started going to university and working on your career, why did you decide to get a doctorate in social work? Did that have a, a parallel with regards to your religion and helping people? Um. I did my PhD later in life after I'd been working as a social worker for a number of years and it grew from I'd been working in a number of rural and remote areas where there was a lack of professional supervision and support for workers in those isolated communities and I was interested in how can supervision and support for social workers in those rural areas be done better and so that started me on a journey of um doing a bit of research myself and then finally deciding to do a PhD in 2005. I enrolled to do that. And then I actually struggled to do it on top of a full-time job and a family. It took me 10 years. So it was quite a, quite a journey to get there. Um, but it came out of my practice that I, I could see a gap and I was trying to find a solution for providing um, supervision for rural and remote social workers in Australia using technology. So that's what I did. That's beautiful. And that leads me into a great segue, the resilient leader. You kept forging ahead. You saw a need. You filled a gap. It took you 10, 10 years being a mother, being a wife, but you still forged ahead. What are some of your greatest accomplishments um, oh, well, I have finished my PhD, which took a long time. I think having my three beautiful children is one of the things I'm proudest of is my three children. Um, and I think overcoming some struggles with each of those, um, with my studies, I certainly, as a child in school, had struggled with dyslexia and hated no. reading, couldn't, yes, couldn't read. But you know what? I have to stop you right there because with dyslexia, we're not dumb brains. We want you no. to know that. We learn differently. That's it. That's it. We learn differently. She has a PhD. I'm an award-winning podcaster. So it's yep. not that we're, you know, it's just that, you know, I didn't hear words and letters phonetically. I still struggle with that. I'm 60 years old sometimes. What were some of your challenges in that dyslexia arena? Um, it was mainly when I was in primary school and failing dismally at spelling. So I'd get two out of 20 words correct, 18 out of 20 incorrect. And I would have spent hours trying to learn and practice all that sort of thing. Um, I fortunately had a mother that recognised I had learning difficulties and got me extra support and coaching. Mm -hmm. So I think by the time I got to high school, I was able to read and write a bit better but I've really struggled with spelling still do 
Um, and, I, and I do too. But then you'll get the grammar police. You'll get that person that, oh, you know, you know. And I'm saying to myself, okay, great. But it is about your lexicon. It is about your vocabulary. That is your level of intelligence. I can read, but hearing it sometimes, I miss, you know, letters or uh, the, the, the structure of it. I could never get the PH for the F or the Y for the I. It was a challenge. So parents, okay, take it from Dr. Amanda Nixon and April Mahoney that your child, if they're being disruptive in the classroom, maybe they're having a challenge. My daughter had a challenge. She couldn't, um, she would say, mom, when I look at the words, it's like that cartoon character, you know, when they hit them over the head and the Tweety Bird goes around in a circle, she had no other way of explaining that she got dizzy. She had vision problems. So work with your child and understand that there yeah. could be a very valid reason. That is resilience as well. So kudos to your mom, kudos to my dad. I just had to insert that because it's <laughs> so important. You know, kids will be judged by that. And then self-esteem issues, they'll get bullied. You know, my daughter would say, the other kids would say, well, you know, Chanel doesn't read as fast as us. And Chanel doesn't do this and Chanel doesn't do that. Well, you know, we figured out what was going on and now Chanel is a great success. So you have these three wonderful children. Uh, what's the combination? Girls, boys? I have two girls and a boy, all adult children now. Um, yeah? No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> um, so one lives at home in with me in Queensland. The other two also live in Queensland, but much further away at Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast. So very spread out. Yeah. Were they, um, and I know that they're they're grown up, but were they great followers and believers in your religious doctrine as well? Again, like I said, you gravitated to it at an early age, but sometimes our kids don't listen to us or follow what we want them to do. Yes, yeah. Um, when they were young and in their teen years, they've all followed... Um, Christian beliefs quite strongly and came with me to church. Um, two out of three of them now are involved actively in their church life and have strong faiths. Um, so, yeah, that's been part of our life journey as a family. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And sometimes when, you know, our children don't exactly follow what we do, they are still rooted in a foundation. And that they know that there is a principle, that they know that there is something greater than themselves, um, that they are aware of spirituality, they are aware of religious doctrine, and they'll fall back on that. You know, they'll get into a situation and they'll say, wow, let me gravitate towards my faith because I yes. know that it will carry me through. That's yes. a simple yeah. thing. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind the writings of your books, Dr. Amanda, Living by Faith. I can't see the subtitle, your, your head's right there. And then you also oh. have The Resilient Leader. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my first book, Living by Faith, How the Impossible Becomes Possible with God, oh. um, came about because I actually um, had a serious neck injury, a broken, unstable neck fracture, a broken neck in a bushwalking accident. Mm. And it's quite miraculous that I'm alive and not quadriplegic or paraplegic. 
And a number of people, when they heard my story, they kept saying, oh, you're so lucky. And I kept thinking, no, I don't believe in luck. I believe God protected me and my time wasn't up. Um, and a number of people encouraged me, you should write a book. That's just amazing that you were um, able to keep going. <clears throat> I kept walking for four days with an unstable neck fracture on Hinchinbrook Island in Queensland. Wow. Um, and when I, when I finally got to a hospital, um, doctors were just amazed that I was walking, that um, I needed spinal surgery. I've got fused C6, C7 in my neck, which was broken. Um, but I knew it wasn't luck. It was God that had protected me. And I then decided, well, if I'm going to write about that, I want to write about the many things God has done in my life. That's not the only time God has turned up and done something amazing in my life. And so I could actually think of a number of incidences that I hoped would encourage people in their faith and what the steps were that I used in each of those situations. Mm. So with my broken neck, I started speaking some verses from the Bible out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I would take a step. Um, I can and I would take another step. So using the word of God to help me through a difficult situation mm. um, in my other chapters, I talk about, you know, the importance of hanging out with people that encourage you rather than people that put you down, how sharing our burdens can be really important because a burden shared is a burden halved. Um, gratitude, different things that can really change how we live and our attitude, even when we're going through hard times and challenges. Um, so that was because of that miraculous experience I had that really motivated me to share that God is real and concerned about the details in our lives because I'd thought well who am I I'm a wife a mother a woman a friend but I didn't feel I was anyone particularly special but God had his angels protecting me and he has the same love for each of us and I wanted to share that that God is relevant and interested in our lives and available to us if we just reach out to him and then um, because of my work in providing supervision and support for social workers and human service workers and also chaplains and pastors, I suppose I've seen a lot of people who've burnt out or are very close to burnout and would often seek support a long way down that journey, whereas I thought, gee, it would be good if people could... Um, have support earlier and take looking after themselves more seriously. Like we can prevent burnout. That's much better than trying to pick up the pieces afterwards. So my professional experience and knowledge really inspired me to write the book, The Resilient Leader, How to Beat Being Overwhelmed and Burnout for Sustainable Leadership. Because we want to be able to do this long-term. I think some people work as if they're, doing a, um, a sprint, but our, our life is more like a marathon. You know, we have to be able to last the distance. So what can we be doing ourselves to build our resilience? So that's what my book is about. It's talking about resilience is a skill that we can learn and practice and mm. looking after ourselves is not being selfish. It's actually really important if we want to be able to have sustainable 
lives um, where we don't crash and burn. And leadership is a partnership. You know, you can't, yes. you know, yes. you can, as they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You have to be a role model. You have to be a person that has uh, tenacity, that is able to take adversity, but use it constructively. Yes. You know, you have yes. to build yes. on that. You can't be a negative Nelly. Uh, and you have to be able to uh, build people up, be the bridge that carries them safely across. That's so important. That's what Jesus did. So read yes. us an excerpt, please. I'd love to hear that from the resilient leader. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I thought I could talk to you about ways to overcome and avoid burnout. And I've identified three ways we can do that. Identifying and managing our stress responses, the importance of setting boundaries, and making tough decisions. So a little bit about um, the importance of setting boundaries. It's so important to say no to some things so that you have the time to do other things that you have said yes to and to do them well. And making tough decisions, sometimes we need to take stock and make a decision about, am I actually in the right place, in the right role, in the right job for me at this time. You may also need to decide to prioritize yourself and your health and well-being. No one else can decide this for you. After a period of time when I was in a job where I was exhausted, continually stressed, overwhelmed and had a huge workload, I had a period of time off and realized I didn't want to go back. This role, which numerous other people thought was perfect for me, met all their requirements, ticked all the boxes, and they thought was great for me, was not a good fit for me anymore. My priorities had changed, and I believe God was calling me to do other things. So I made the tough decision of resigning from a permanent full-time position and took some time out for myself, running a business part-time and contract work. So, yeah, making tough decisions took me to a better place where I'm more in control of my life. I've got time to refill my tank um, instead of being exhausted and depleted. We need to be able to refill that tank, whether it's emotionally, physically, socially, spiritually, psychologically. We need to be able to replenish ourselves all the time. Yeah. And also reward, recognize and praise. Yes, yes. A lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, that's arrogant. But self-love is the greatest love of all outside of agape love. Um, it's yes. hard to have unconditional love because we have judgments. Uh, people don't set boundaries. So I love how you say those three things, you know, reducing your stress, setting boundaries and making tough decisions, being able to give and receive the word no is a complete yes. sentence. The word no is a complete sentence. My mother used to tell me all the time, <laughs> she would say, baby, if God gave you everything you want, you'd be a hot mess. And you're <laughs> right. You would because you don't know how to appreciate it. You don't know good from bad if everything is going your way. 
once you run up against the adversary or adversarial situations, you're quickly depleted. You're defeated. You're shamed. You are, you know, you're bullied. You don't know how to set a boundary for yourself and say, no, I'm not going to accept this or this doesn't work for me or let yeah. me, you know, let me sit with this. People don't give them their self time to breathe. And I'm seeing that more and more, Dr. Amanda, that, you know, that's why people are going from a flicker to a flame. They're so angry. And I can't even tell you the degree of anger that people and young people are experiencing here in the United States. You see these mass shootings. Yeah. You can't even go to the Walmart. You can't send your children to school without, you know, having some apprehension. What do you say to people that are struggling with their faith right now? Because there's people that have had uh, significant losses because of these things. They're very angry with God. How do you encourage them to stay with it, stay fast, and know that, you know, he is the truth and he is the light? I think that um, there's lots of circumstances beyond our control because of um, people's selfish desires in the world. But I just hang on to God's promises that he works all things together for good for those that love him. So even when I've come through some tough times, God is still on the throne and God is still there. God is still involved in my life. So I think it's sometimes the actions of people that, um, yeah, hurt us, disappoint us, people do the wrong things, but God is supreme and he's He's still um, available to us if we pray and ask him for that help and that guidance. He's involved in our lives. But he's given people free will, which is why, you know, um, evil does happen in some places because people have have chosen those actions themselves. God doesn't control us like robots. So there is evil still happening in the world, but we can choose to focus on the negative or we can choose to build a more positive world and future for ourselves. Um so I just say, believe God is still there. He's available to us. He hears our prayers, but he hasn't controlled the world like robots. He doesn't control us. And there is evil in the world, but there's also redemption. If yes, we absolutely. And we absolutely. believe he will forgive us. He will love yes. us beyond our circumstance. A lot of people don't believe that. But if you okay. trust and you try, it's example, people that are self-medicating. You know, they don't think that there's any other hope. They've done horrible things. They've stole, they've prostituted, they've, you know, maybe even killed someone because of this. But there is redemption. There yes. is redemption. Yes. And there's nothing new under the sun. Anything mm -hmm. that we see now has happened before. And we'll, if you read Revelations, it's really happening now. I didn't think that I would, I had to put it down, Dr. Amanda. <laughs> It was too real, you know, when that pandemic yeah. came and it said many plagues and, you know, would plague the nation. It was the perfect pause. What did you learn about yourself during that time of great silence there during the pandemic? Um, I was reminded of God's many blessings and how faithful God is. And I was able to um, practice gratitude 
and just be thankful for the things I do have, that I did have a roof over my head, I've had enough money for food, that I have a family that love me, that I have friends. I could just count my blessings and be grateful. And the more I thought about um, the things I was grateful for and how much God has done for me in the past, the less I worry because I know God is faithful and he comes through, he keeps his promises. So I didn't um, fall into fear or worry. I just kept trusting God, knowing he has us in the palm of his hands. And he works on his own timeline, brains. It's not our yes. timeline. That's it. Sometimes you have to sit, as I say, and marinate in a situation to learn the lesson. How many yes. times have you revisited the valley? How many times have you come up short? How many yes, times have many. you questioned yourself, you know, uh, and questioned others around you? And, you know, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? He shows up in his perfect time. That's right. And yes. he comes on time and he keeps those promises. That's yes. my experience. That is definitely Absolutely. my experience. So you say that you do social work. Uh, do, you, do you work just with social workers or do you work with the community as lar at large? Um, I've worked in many roles with a number of government departments. I work with a lot of human service organisations, so domestic violence services, health departments, corrective services, a whole lot of organisations where I provide training and um, professional supervision for staff so that's an opportunity for them to debrief and offload and um, reflect on what they've been going through in those workplaces right because it is a challenge too and then you've got your boss to contend with you've got your family you know everybody's family's life you've got your finances you've got your personal health all of these things, you know, you feel like you're in a carnival act. You're the juggler. You're trying to juggle all of these things. But through the love and light of Jesus Christ, there's a way for you to calm down and for you to balance. Show us a copy of your book. I want to see it. Uh, I want to see the, the, yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful cover. <laughs> the Resilient Leader, and that's Living by Faith. Yeah. And those are both available on Amazon. Yes, they're also available through my website, um, which people might be interested to look at, which is um, amandanixon.com.au. Okay. And it's Nixon, N-I-C-K-S-O-N. Yeah. Well, I am so glad and proud to have had you on here on the edge. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are afraid to use the word Jesus. They'll say whatever. They don't want to say Merry Christmas. They'll say Happy Holidays. Brains, don't be afraid to shine a light because he shined a light, yes. sacrificed for us. He died on the cross for our sins, but he also has risen yes. if you believe. So I encourage you, if Christianity is not where you seek your comfort, your faith, Find a religious doctrine that falls within your guidelines that makes you feel good about yourself, that makes you love yourself, that makes you want to do better and be a better human being. 
Thank you so much for being here with us, uh, Dr. Amanda Nixon. You are the best. Thank you so much, April. Thank you. Bye, Brains. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.